It's the Field of Vision podcast with your host, Jordan Eisen. How's it going, everybody, and welcome into the Field of Vision podcast. Joining me today is Craig Rondononi um, of Rotoballer. He, like me, writes for Rotoballer a lot, um, a big writer over there. And today we're going to be discussing Who's Next Year's Blank, a classic fantasy game to recap the previous season and look ahead to the next season. So basically, I'll be like, Craig, who is next year's Debo Samuel and then I'll give a brief description of what that means like maybe a player we're overlooking because of injury that we should look out for Um, and then we'll kind of talk about our own answers and from there keep on playing that game and delve into discussion wherever it is um, necessary so before we get into that though let's just quickly recap the last week of football because that was something um the bills versus the chiefs game where else to start that was wild how did you feel watching that well it it was some cap uh you know after the first three games of the weekend i didn't think that the football could be any better or any crazier and uh they the nfl saved the best for last that was unbelievable Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes just showed why they're two of the best quarterbacks in the game, two of the best quarterbacks in fantasy football, and a real coming out party for uh, Gabriel Davis with his 200 yards receiving and four touchdowns. I'm sure that really elevates his stock in dynasty leagues and and fantasy leagues in general. He uh, He's definitely Buffalo's number two wide receiver, and it looks like he's taken a little bit away from Stefan Diggs because Diggs didn't have the year this year he had last year, so maybe uh, that's going to be uh, something to watch in 2022 yeah for sure um i honestly just watching it though that was insane like i like the chiefs i also really like the bills i i just think they're both really fun teams um and i live in missouri so i am connected to the chiefs i don't necessarily love them but though but watching that was just insane because like i don't even know who i was rooting for at the end i was just like yelling at the tv about like whenever something happened i was either just like upset for some reason or really happy for some reason and there was not much rhyme or reason but it was such a roller coaster so much happened it was unlike anything i've ever seen i think yeah, not a lot of defense there towards the end. Both uh, defenses got a little tired, and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey made some mm-hmm. big plays. So uh, I really feel bad that uh, Buffalo didn't get a chance to uh, have the ball one yeah. more time in overtime. But uh, it, it, w- it was definitely a classic, definitely one of the, the top 10 games I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I, I label the Cardinals-Packers game from, like, 2014 as my favorite game. Cause that was like the first game that I watched like fully and was like really invested in. So that I cite as my favorite game, but like this objectively, I think is probably the best game I ever watched. It, it was just so special. It was, I, yeah, it, it, words can't really describe it. I want to rewatch it. Honestly, like after the Rams bucks game, I was like, knowing what I know now, I kind of want to rewatch that and see what it's like. (laughs) And then the next game happened and it's like, wow, this is even more just, it's so much more like 
I don't know. There's no words. I, I don't know what to say, but um, it was, it was, a was six, six amazing hours of football. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and how did yeah. you feel about, uh, do you think Buffalo made a big mistake there at the end when they, they kicked the ball off for a touchback and they didn't try to squib kick it and take a couple seconds off? I mean, I don't know if that would have changed anything. As I said, I haven't rewatched it yet, but um, I think that the chiefs probably would have been able to, go even in 10 seconds down the field instead of 13. So it probably yeah. would have helped a bit. Maybe it would have changed the Chiefs' plan. Who knows? But I don't know. They shouldn't have done it just logically. So that's something. But I don't know. It's hindsight. They they should yeah, have I'm never sure. done it. But Mahomes If they squib kicked it and Kansas City returns it for a touchdown, then everybody will be yelling that they didn't kick True, it out of the exactly. end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So – yeah, it, it, there's really no right answer. I guess they should have just squibbed it because that's just what you do in that situation. But I don't know if that would have changed anything really. But the overtime rules is that needs to change. I think. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's unfair. E- each team should at least have the ball once. And uh, you know, exactly. it was really really a, really a shame how that ended there. Would have been great to see Buffalo if they scored, and then would they have gone for a two point conversion? You know, to try to win exactly. it, not go to a set. You know, another. You know, keep the overtime going. But uh, we'll never know. Maybe it's something they'll change in the off season. At yeah, least for the it playoffs. seems like. It seems like they'll at least change it for the playoffs. Like people have been talking about it since that uh, Chiefs Patriots game with the like mm-hmm. D Ford being offsides. People have been talking about it really since then, probably even before. But that's when it got like huge. Um, yeah. Now it seems even bigger, and like the NFL has kind of recognized that like this is gonna happen now. So I I do think it'll change. I'm just curious what they come up with. There's so many possibilities. Um, there's just a lot that you can do with this. And then also once they do make the change, it's going to be a whole new strategy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that'll lend itself to a lot of um, interesting things to talk about. Surely. Oh, sure. Yep. Definitely. All right. Now without, with that out of the way, let me ask you right off the bat, who's your Super Bowl pick? Who do you have in the Super Bowl? I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Rams uh, because uh, a. I think. Uh, I think they're. You know, they're gonna beat San Francisco. I think the Rams are kicking themselves that they didn't beat San Francisco the last week of the season, and now they got to put up with them again. The 49ers are, are. 49ers are like the hottest team. You know, in football right now with two. But great they're not wins. good. That's the thing. Well, they definitely don't. Ha- they definitely have the worst quarterback out of the four teams yeah, remaining. That's exactly. that's for sure. Because Jim, they're winning in spite of Jimmy G. He is he has not been doing anything. But uh, credit to their defense, credit to their their running game that they they've been pulling out these games and their special teams too against Green Bay. But I think uh, the Rams are going to beat San Francisco, and if they play Kansas, say Kansas City in the Super Bowl. I think the one thing the Rams have that Kansas City doesn't have is they have a couple big defensive players that can just take over a game. You know, uh, they can uh, maybe Jalen Ramsey can lock up Tyreek Hill a little bit, and the Rams' pass rush is really ferocious. And I think they could give Mahomes a lot of problems. So, uh, so that's one way with Mahomes to to slow him down, get a good pass rush with four or five guys, and with Von Miller and the rest of that Rams uh, front yeah. seven. I uh, I think Matthew Stafford's finally going to get a Super Bowl this year. 
Yeah, I definitely think it's possible. I've also got Chiefs Rams. I feel bad saying the Chiefs because it feels very like, um, it seems like the easy pick. And usually teams don't win two Super Bowls in like, what is it, three years? And make three Super Bowls in a row. But I think that's a testament to how good Patrick Mahomes is. Like every quarterback has like their thing that's like, I've done this and no one else has ever done it. And Patrick Mahomes has a ton of those to start his career. Like the most wins under 25 years old and stuff like that. But I I don't know, just like already establishing yourself as a dynasty. I think that seems like it definitely could happen, but also I recognize exactly what you said. That Rams pass rush is really good. Uh, Von Miller seems to be working now. Odell Beckham, their other, mid-season acquisition is really doing good things um he's not great like he was with the giants but he's definitely a good ancillary weapon and leonard floyd aaron donald that, that defensive line is loaded um and i don't necessarily think they can repeat what the bucks did in last year's super bowl against the chiefs but i think they could be the difference in winning and losing for the Rams. So I do think that the Chiefs will probably win because I just think Patrick Mahomes is that much better than Matthew Stafford. But Matthew Stafford's still really good. And to go with that really great team, I could totally see it happening in the Rams' favor. And I could also see the Bengals winning. I honestly can't see the 49ers. Um, that Or that would just be one of the worst Super Bowl winner, winning teams like ever. Pretty indicative of 2021 and 2022, but I don't think it's going to happen. And yeah, but the Bengals, they beat the Chiefs recently. Yeah, they could beat the Rams. Why not? Yeah, uh, yeah, the Bengals, uh, they really impressed me uh, going into Tennessee and beating them. And uh, the Bengal defense, I, I thought they were pretty mediocre uh, for the most part this year. But they did a great job against uh, a Tennessee offense that had Derrick Henry back and Julio Jones looked healthy. And, and they mm-hmm. held them to 16 points and picked off Tannehill three times. They really looked good. So, uh, yeah, I think they could uh, – they're, they're definitely going to keep it close with the Chiefs. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. And uh, but I'm sure the Chiefs want to get revenge after that regular season loss against them. So uh, if the game yeah. was in Cincinnati, I'd probably say Cincinnati should be the favorite. Interesting. I, I don't know if you can pick anyone to be a favorite over the Chiefs right now, but yeah, Cincinnati's a good team, and I think they'll eventually win a Super Bowl. I don't necessarily think it'll be this year, but it could be. Who knows? Yeah, you never know. I'm shocked they got this far. So I guess my question is if the Chiefs get to the Super Bowl against the Rams after what I I saw them like Gabriel Davis do last week, how the heck are they going to stop Cooper Cup? I mean, (laughs) geez, Cooper Cup and Odell just run up and down the field. I I don't know how the Chiefs are going to cover those two if they they can't even cover Gabriel Davis. (laughs) Yeah, definitely a good point, but I mean, they did look like they had a good defense for a decent chunk of the year, so maybe they'll figure things out. But yeah, hopefully. also Josh Allen is just amazing. We have to credit some of Gabriel Gabriel Davis's production to Josh Allen, not only yeah, no the Chiefs defense it. being bad. Yep. All right, let's get into this game of who's next year's blank. So let's start with the fantasy MVP from 2021-2022, and that 
is Jonathan Taylor. And I labeled this a running back who will become an unquestioned workhorse in 2022. Mm. So who did you select as your guy? Well, I, I, uh, I always like uh, seeing how the last month of the season goes to see like who I like for the next season. And I was really impressed with watching Buffalo the last month of the season. You know, they had like a tailspin in the middle of the year, and, and really the problem was they couldn't run the ball. But they seemed to figure it out the last four games, and Devin Singletary, he really emerged as their top tailback. They got rid of, you know, they stopped giving Zach Moss any time. Matt Breida wasn't getting any time. And Singletary, over the last four regular season games, he scored uh, six touchdowns. He had a nice 110-yard game against Atlanta. And so far in the playoffs, he has three more touchdowns in, in, mm-hmm. in Buffalo's two games that they played. So he's finding the end zone. Something's really clicked with the offensive line. And it looks like he's going to be the main man heading into 2022. And what a great offense to be the running back of with Josh Allen. He's going to hook Singletary up with so many uh, good scoring opportunities. And Singletary catches some passes out of the backfield, too. So he'll add about, you know, 15 to 25 receiving yards, a couple catches a game. And uh, now that he has this uh, new nose for the end zone, I think he's really Mm -hmm. going to be somebody to watch uh, next year to have a real breakout year. I like that call. Um, Of course, a caveat to all of these guys that we're going to be talking about, like these are not likely to be replicated because like you can't just pick a Jonathan Taylor every year like that. It's not possible. So there are going to be caveats to every guy. And that's kind of what we're going to be discussing a lot. So for Devin Singletary, though, he's really small, like just in stature. I think he's like five, eight. He's just not a very big guy. So, could he's five seven actually, but he is thick. He's two hundred and three pounds. But yeah, he do seems you think play that, bigger than he is? You know. Yeah, yeah. He is just objectively short, though. So do you think that yeah. he could um, withstand a workload like twenty touches per day per game? Uh, yeah, I guess. I guess yeah, yeah. I guess the jury is out. Like he he did it over the last month of this season. But, you know, early in the season, yeah, he was probably only getting about 10 touches a game because Zach Moss was getting his touches. I I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Buffalo adds like a veteran backup running back to kind of, you know, get five or six carries a game. But uh, I, I think Singletary could could get like 250, 270 carries. And and uh, he's never really gotten banged up. He stayed pretty healthy his first couple years in the league. So even for a short guy, he's got a little stockiness to him. And uh, and he's not really an outside runner, too. He runs in between the tackles. He likes putting his head down. So, uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen anything to make me think that he's he's not going to be able to make it through the season. Okay. I, I'm a little hesitant, but... Like, as in terms of him becoming Jonathan Taylor, like, I don't think his upside's that high. Um, but I'm definitely going to be willing to draft him. I think we talked about him on last week's podcast. And yeah, I think he could totally be a third round pick and well worth it. Um, because at the end of the season, if that's his ceiling, then like his floor isn't that bad. Like, he was amazing if he gets. 12 to 15 touches per week and he's on this offense and they just score a bunch of points. He could totally be a really useful fantasy piece. Mm. Um, my answer to this question, a running back who will become an unquestioned workhorse is Nick Chubb. 
So this isn't necessarily to say he's going to, I guess it doesn't really answer the question too well, but I think he can become next year's Jonathan Taylor is more so what I'm getting at. I don't think Kareem Hunt's going to become obsolete. Um, even if he is, uh, I think there's something going on with his contract. He might get traded. He might even be a free agent. So if Kareem Hunt doesn't return, even if that happens, I still think Dernis Johnson will play a bit like, Nick Chubb just will never carry even close to 100% of the load. But I think it's being forgotten how good Nick Chubb is because he had a pretty like mediocre season. Um, so I'm just pretty surprised that he's – I just feel like he's going to slide in drafts quite a bit because he performed worse on a per-game basis than like James Conner, uh, just mm-hmm. ahead of Cordero Patterson. Like he was still good. But this isn't what Nick Chubb actually is. This Browns offense was so messed up. Baker Mayfield must have been injured, or maybe he's just bad. But regardless, just by the law of averages, I I think Nick Chubb's going to have a much better season last year. And I feel like that's not going to be what the market predicts. And he can seriously become next year's Jonathan Taylor. Like I I could see him rushing for 1700 yards and like 15 touchdowns. I think that's his ceiling. Um, And then on top of that, maybe the backfield opens up a bit and he figures out um, a path to more touches. Who knows? But he's so good. And I just feel like it's not really, it's going unnoticed. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. If if Hunt doesn't come back, then that opens up a lot more carries for Chubb. And uh, he's got a great offensive line there in Cleveland. They have a, a, an offense that they like to run first and then do play action passes off of that with Baker. And you're right, Baker was was banged up. He just had off-season shoulder surgery. He had a bunch of injuries. And uh, they didn't really have much of a passing game, especially when they got rid of Odell. You know, they didn't really have any uh, deep weapons. So so teams could really focus in on Chubb and stock the line. And uh, I don't know if they'll be able to do that in 2022. So I think Chubb's definitely a top five fantasy running back going into next year. And I could I could see him getting 1,700 rushing yards and 15 touchdowns or something like that. It wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah, I I agree. I I it's interesting cuz he just has competition that J- Jonathan Taylor doesn't. So I don't know if that's really going to happen, but I'm basically just trying to say this is a top 3 running back in the league and he is not being viewed that way at the moment. Um mm-hmm. I also want to briefly mention Cam Akers cuz although he did fumble a bunch last week in the playoffs, he looked good before that like he's just so good he's still young it's basically going to be his sophomore season next season as it was for Jonathan Taylor this year and he's got I I think he's going to get a huge workload he's on a good offense I could see him really becoming next year's Jonathan Taylor I'm just not as much of a believer in it as I am for Nick Chubb because I I just don't think Cam Akers is necessarily as talented as Nick Chubb or Jonathan Taylor, but I think it's totally possible just based on situation. Yeah. Um, and, it, and 
Akers has a lot of talent. He, he he does seem to get banged up a lot. You know, he's missed a lot of time with some some major injuries over the last couple of years, and and he's got to cure this fumbling problem. Although he, he's not really known as a fumbler in the regular exactly. season, so I think what happened last week, you know, that was an anomaly. I I, I don't think he's going to be like how Tiki Barber used to be or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, true. All right, let's talk. Who's next year Cooper's Cup? Who's next year's Cooper Cup? Um. I said a good wide receiver that can make the jump to an elite level. Who'd you put? I went with uh, Deontay Johnson of Pittsburgh. Uh, this is this is really going to be based on who his quarterback is because we know it's not going to be Big Ben. And uh, I just feel like Big Ben, you know, Deontay had a couple of good years the last two years. I mean, he had 1,100 yards and uh, eight touchdowns this past year. But if you look at him you know he big ben he couldn't throw the ball deep anymore these last couple years and Deontay, he didn't even average 11 yards per catch i mean this is a guy who has game breaking speed game breaking skills Mm -hmm. he he scored 20 touchdowns over the last three years so he just hasn't you know he's been getting a lot of wide receiver screens a lot of seven yard sideline patterns i just wonder if pittsburgh got like a Ryan, even just like a Ryan Fitzpatrick type, somebody who could get the ball down the field 20, 30 yards. I really think Deontay could step up his game and now all of a sudden become like a 1400 yard, 1500 yard, like 10 touchdown, 12 touchdown guy, you know, if, if he had the right quarterback with the right arm in that offense. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what Pittsburgh does in the off season. Cause there's a lot of teams out there who need quarterbacks. And uh, I don't know how easy it is to going to be to draft one, sign one or trade for one. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Big Ben, he was good for what he was, but, you know, he wasn't helping Deontay's uh, fantasy value the last couple of years. So I'd really like to see him with a strong arm quarterback and see what he could do. Yeah, I, I definitely think that, like, I wouldn't be surprised if this isn't right, but I, it just feels like the Steelers are going to find a quarterback. It might be Aaron Rodgers. It might be Russell Wilson. I think Kirk Cousins is a good candidate. But I think they'll find someone. Maybe Jameis Winston. That's always been a rumor yeah. dating back to his years days. And that would be fun, um, perhaps. But also, we saw Jameis this year. It wasn't very fun. So regardless, <laughs> I do think it'll be someone. It won't be Mason Rudolph. I don't think that they'll go through that all again. But if it's one of those guys, maybe with the exclusion of um, Jameis, like if it's Rodgers, Wilson, or Cousins, or someone of that caliber, maybe Derek Carr if the Raiders decide to rebuild. I think Deontay Johnson is not as talented as Cooper Cup because just no one is right now, but he's like pretty close, and I don't think he's thought of that way. So I could see that happening if he finds a quarterback like Cooper Cup did this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, even Kirk Cousins, who who was no Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, but Kirk Cousins was able to uh, turn Justin Jefferson into a you know a, exactly. a top two, top three fantasy receiver. So yeah. if Justin Jefferson can put up those monster numbers with Kirk Cousins, I'm sure Deontay Johnson could too. I think that if Kirk Cousins came to Pittsburgh, it would be basically the Minnesota offense. Except I don't think Najee Harris is as good as Dalvin Cook. But they have two really good wide receivers. I mean, Justin Je- Deontay Johnson's worse than Justin Jefferson, and Chase Claypool's worse than Adam Thielen. But there's some parallels. Um, and I think that offense would look pretty similar. 
and maybe the defense turns around and under that coaching staff compared to the Minnesota coaching staff, I could see that being a phenomenal team. Um, yeah, I think yeah, that I makes a lot that. of sense. But um, yeah, I also totally could benefit Deontay Johnson. However, if it's Mason Rudolph, he is not going to become Cooper Cup. I feel <laughs> yeah. comfortable saying that. I hope that's not Pittsburgh's plan, either Mason Rudolph yeah. or Dwayne Haskins. I, I hope that is not what they're reduced to. I agree. All right. My answer is Terry McLaurin, and it kind of is similar to you, except even if they have Taylor Heineke, I feel like there's a chance Terry McLaurin doesn't necessarily become Cooper Cup, but makes a jump to an elite level. Um, I don't think it's necessarily likely, but I think it's possible. Like, Like I said with Nick Chubb, Terry McLaurin is so good, and we saw it several times this season. He just makes otherworldly plays, but it's not consistent enough. At least this season it wasn't. So maybe they get another quarterback. I think they'll be in this all the same sweepstakes that um, Pittsburgh is. So perhaps they find a new guy. But even with Taylor Heineke, I think Terry McLaurin can just have a better season next year. It's pretty simple. I think he's just really good and doesn't even really need a great quarterback to be great himself. Yeah, I agree with you. A lot of, lot of, lot of parallels with those two teams and, and, and both of our wide receivers. And uh, the one thing with McLaurin, I wish, I wish Washington, uh, you know, would get a good number two receiver so teams mm-hmm. couldn't like double team him all the time. They signed Curtis Samuel from Carolina in the offseason, but he had a washout of a season. He was just perpetually hurt. So he really didn't contribute anything at all. So it was pretty much McLaurin was a one man show. Logan Thomas was hurt the whole year at tight end. So uh, really, uh, you know, he had to deal with a backup quarterback. He's the only wide receiver out there that the de- defense. Defenses had to worry about. So I really wonder if he got an upgraded quarterback and he had a little more help on the receiving core. Uh, I could definitely see him uh, taking uh, jumping up to an elite level next year. Yeah, I could see it for sure. Um, we have three more rounds of who's next year's blank. But before we get to that, we're going to take a quick break for an ad. And we are back. All right, let's resume the game of who is next year's blank with who's next year's Saquon Barkley, a player that we keep on making excuses for, but it might just be time to give up. And by the way, I don't necessarily think we should give up on Saquon Barkley, but that would have been the right advice before this season. So um, it's been a rough few years for him, but he's still so talented. But I don't know. Maybe it is time to give up. And maybe next year, Saquon Barkley is Saquon Barkley. But that's not who either of us is. So why don't you give me your answer? All right. Uh, well, my uh, my Saquon Barkley is going to be somebody in his uh, Barkley's division, and that's Philadelphia's Miles Sanders. I feel like uh, he's had some similarities. He hasn't had like the big season ending injuries like Barkley's had. But uh, Sanders last year or this past year, he played in 12 games and he scored no touchdowns. Uh, really? He averaged five. Yeah, he didn't have he didn't have any rushing or receiving touchdowns oh, this year. I did not and, know and, that. And, 
Yeah, and he, and he averaged five and a half yards a carry. So he had such a strange year. Early in the year, uh, the Philadelphia coaching staff was ridiculed because they weren't giving Sanders the ball enough, and they thought they had Jalen Hurts throwing too much. Then Sanders got banged up, and then when he came back, he was sharing time with Jordan Howard, Boston Scott, and uh, he really didn't get a whole lot of carries. He only averaged about 10, 11 carries a game. So he just had a strange year. He had 754 rushing yards, only 158 receiving. And he really, you know, I don't know what to expect from next year. Philadelphia, they're a running team, but Jalen Hurts does a lot of the running. So that takes away from Sanders' touches. So I don't know what Philadelphia's plan is for their tailback situation in 2022, but I don't know if they're going to bring somebody else in and him and Sanders are going to split time. And Sanders always, you know, he gets hurt. You know, last two years he's missed four games each of those years. He gets a lot of leg injuries and stuff. So I, I definitely would not draft Sanders to be any more than like my number three running back at this point. You just can't count on him. Yeah, I I do agree with literally everything you said. Um, and I do think that he definitely qualifies for this um, for this round, but. I am a little skeptical about it just because I think that everyone might agree with us. Like I think I, his ADP, I, there's no good ADP source right now. So I just kind of looked at um, a consensus ranking and he was in like the late fifties, early sixties. So I do think that people might just kind of be on board with this philosophy that Miles Sanders might just never be able to put it together. So that's my only ridicule, but all of your logic is certainly sound. Like the these little injuries just keep on popping up. And then he comes back. They push him really hard. He's a workhorse. Looks amazing. And then he gets injured. Seems related, right? So maybe they start giving him less work. Maybe he just needs to... Maybe he's next year's Jonathan Taylor. He could be a candidate for that. But... I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it's really happening. Jordan Howard had a nice season. Boston Scott's always good. And yeah, Jalen Hurts also eats into that rushing um, volume as well. So I definitely agree, agree with everything you said. I just think everyone else might agree as well. <laughs> So. Yeah, yeah, I think Sanders could uh, benefit from a change of scenery. Maybe Philadelphia would think about trading him in the offseason for a draft pick. And gosh, if Sanders, you know, ended up, say, with somebody like Kansas City or if he said, you know, Ooh. was in the right offense, then all of a sudden his fantasy value could go through the roof because the guy can still run. He's getting yeah. average, you know, five and a half yards a carry. So he's doing something right. He just needs to find a way to stay healthy and a way to find the end zone. Yeah, I like him in Kansas City. That is a nice suggestion. If the um, Devin Singletary breakout didn't happen, maybe he'd be good in Buffalo. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, yeah, I could see Kansas City, Miles Sanders. I like that. That's a good idea. Um, but my next year's Saquon Barkley, I put Darren Waller. I, I've i just really never been on board as with Darren Waller being an elite tight end. Like, I think he's good. I think he's crazy athletic. But I don't like the Raiders. I don't think Derek Carr's that great. And Darren Waller, like, he had a really, really good season. But I kind of think it might be over. He's also really old. He had a really late start to his career. 
he was in Baltimore for a while, I think, like on their practice squad. It might have been, I think it was like a personality thing, but he eventually found his way, obviously, but he's now 30, right? Yeah, he's going to be 30 next season. And I'm just a little bit skeptical if he can ever repeat what he did in 2019 and 2020. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, who knows if Derek Carr will be his, his quarterback next year. And uh, he's kind of he's been lucky the last couple of years because the Raiders really haven't had a lot of great wide receivers. So it's almost yeah. like Carr has had That was my choice. next point for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was going to say, Carr's had no choice but to throw to Waller because other than Hunter Renfro, who else is on the outside? So exactly. So Waller, Isaiah right? yeah, Waller. Yeah, yeah, Zay Jones, yeah. So, I mean, Deshaun Jackson late in the year. But, yeah, so Waller, you, you wonder if he was on a team with a, a little better receiving core, maybe he wouldn't see as many balls. I I like Waller. I, I, I could see him definitely taking a step down in 2022. I don't know about, you know, plummeting like, you know, Barkley has the last couple of years. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see him going from being a top five tight end to more of like – you know, top 10, top 15, especially if Derek Carr isn't the quarterback and yeah. uh, the, you know, the Raiders get some receivers. Yeah. The, I mean, he's not going to plummet past top five, probably even just cause no one plays tight end and it's good. So he's still going to be good. Um, still going to be a fantasy starter for at least next year, probably several years into the future as well. But I don't think he's top three. I he might not even be top five, especially if like Cal Pitts considers to break out. It continues to break out. Maybe someone else also has a breakout and surpasses Darren Waller. I don't know. I just, eh, I, I just don't, I have a little bit of an eerie feeling about him. Like he's just doesn't feel like a star anymore. Sometimes that's just a feeling you get. Sometimes it's way off because it is just a feeling, but <laughs> I kind of just get that feeling about Waller. I don't think I'm going to be touching him in 2022. <laughs> All right, we'll see. We'll see if you're right, Jordan. We need a crystal ball to to fast forward to next November to see where Waller <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah, for sure. All right, who is next year's Julio Jones? Someone whose career is over. And <laughs> I'll be honest. Before we even get to your guy. My guy, his career is not over, but someone whose career is on the decline might be a better phrase. Your guy, though, I think his career is over. <laughs> well, yeah, my my guy is uh, is Antonio Brown, and uh, and Antonio, when he played this year, he he showed flashes like he was the old Antonio in Pittsburgh. He had a couple great games, made some great catches, but just the off the field antics and the, the problems with the law and all that stuff and how uh, his tenure in Tampa Bay ended with him running off the field with no shirt on and just leaving his team and, and saying that, uh, you know, Tampa Bay was forcing him to play on a bum ankle. I, I just don't know now that he's had flameouts in Pittsburgh and Tampa and in yeah, you know, Oakland. New England. Yeah. It's like, who's going to give him a shot now? I mean, I, I heard on Twitter, he's already saying that he wants to play with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Yeah. So, I mean, and Lamar Jackson seems to be all for it, but 
I mean, are the Ra- you know the Ravens are a smart team. I, I don't know why they would hook their wagon to him and and the whole you know circus that he brings to the, an organization. So yeah, I don't know when Antonio's going to do. I you know maybe uh, you know I know he likes uh, he has a music career and uh, maybe he could do some more reality shows. But I just yeah. don't see anybody giving him multi millions to be their number one wide receiver ever again. Yeah. The Ravens thing seems kind of legit, though. And I'm a Ravens fan. I don't want him on my team. But <laughs> all the Ravens are talking about it. Marlon Humphrey, uh, Marquise Brown, who and their cousins, too. Lamar Jackson's been outspoken about it. Mark Andrews. There's just been a lot of talk. And it, it, J.K. Dobbins even piped in, I think. There's been a lot of talk. And it seems like it might happen. At the end of the day, the players don't fully get to make this decision. It's the GM and management, and maybe they'll get their hands on a different wide receiver and no longer want Antonio Brown. But the players seem in. Antonio Brown literally tweeted a picture of himself wearing a Ravens jersey. (laughs) So, I mean, it might happen as much as I don't want it to, so maybe his career is not over. But he's probably going to do something stupid and then his career, I think, is really over. But we've also said that so many times. I don't know at this point. It's not really worth predicting because it gets into so much non-football stuff. But it's just I maybe he'll show up again. If it's not the Ravens, I'd be surprised if anyone else signs him. Maybe Also, maybe a team is just depleted mid-season and wants to compete and they sign him off the street who knows mm-hmm. yeah if he, yeah if he did some odell you know what odell beckham did this year and just you know show up halfway through the season for a contender and you know instead of being the number one guy play the number two wide receiver role then you know i think antonio hey he did a great job uh, of doing that last year with tampa behind mike evans and chris godwin so i mean i think i could see him doing that one thing with baltimore is like boy i'll tell you they they never number two wide receivers never do good there sammy watkins was a total bust this year you know they they just don't throw the ball enough like marquise brown was having a great year the first half of the year until he had some injuries and then lamar sprained his ankle and then everything you know went down the tubes but yeah between you know brown and andrews and they don't throw the ball like 40 times a game so the number two wide receiver doesn't really get a lot of targets yeah and someone like antonio brown who like stereotypically is a diva and just like wants the ball all the time why does he want to go to baltimore like they have some of the lowest passing volumes of any like legit offense in the league. Like, okay, the Bears passed less than them, but they had Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. Like the Ravens of any contender, they are not up there in terms of passing volume. And it seems like that would be what Antonio Brown wants. I don't know. It's a weird situation. I honestly have no idea. I hope the Ravens don't aren't stupid and don't sign him, but it, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, nevertheless, my guy whose career is declining quicker than people might think, I picked DeAndre Hopkins. He's really old. He's really old. He had a bad season. He's been injured a lot. It's just, he's going to be 30 next year. And Julio Jones was 32 this year. It seems like it might kind of be falling quickly. And it's, yeah, it seems like these older receivers, their hamstrings 
give out on them because that's what happened yeah. to both of them this year, Julio and DeAndre. Yeah, I I don't know. He just like didn't seem the same. Like he didn't make as many contested catches even like before the injury. It just didn't seem like he was DeAndre Hopkins of years past this year. And that was with Kyler Murray being the MVP candidate. Like in those first five weeks or however long it was, Kyler Murray was amazing. But he was using Christian Kirk and Rondale Moore and A.J. Green. And DeAndre Hopkins was surely the lead of that rotation. But he just didn't look the same. He wasn't quite the alpha he's always been. It just wasn't quite like how it has been and I could see that continue that trend continuing I think that he definitely might just kind of be declining and people might not be really noticing it I mean people are noticing it he's ranked pretty low for 2022 but I I I would still try to stay away even if he does return in terms of health I don't know if he's going to return in terms of production Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's going to all of a sudden bounce back to the fourteen hundred, fifteen hundred yard guy he was a couple years ago or during his glory days in Houston with Deshaun Watson. But I, I would say I'm not going to totally give up on DeAndre. I, I, if he's available in the right round, I think he could definitely be like a number, you know, a wide receiver two on a fantasy team and be really great. But uh, yeah, I I wouldn't put him in the top five right now. There's a whole lot of other Cooper Cups, Justin Jefferson's, those -hmm. those types that I would definitely want ahead of DeAndre, but because they're younger and, uh, you know, they're, they're not having as many injury problems as DeAndre had this year. Certainly true. All right. Who is next? And this is the last one, by the way. Who is next year's Cordero Patterson? A player that you have your eye on that literally no one else does. Get creative. Who did you pick? Uh, I got pretty creative here. I, uh, you know, as, as you know, for Roto Baller, I do uh, the tight end column. So I, uh, I watch uh, a lot of tight end play. And I just feel like David Njoku... He is he's really had a raw deal the last couple of years in Cleveland. I mean, they have three decent tight ends there with Austin Hooper, Harrison Bryant and him. And they they don't throw the ball a whole lot. And Austin Hooper, he makes like six, seven million dollars a year. So I feel like he has to get the, you know, the first dibs on the tight end targets because he's the multimillionaire there. But Nujoku, he's always had some wide receiver speed and skills. He he one game he'll have an 80-yard touchdown, and then the next game he won't even get targeted. And I just feel like if he was on, on a different team in a different situation. Like if he was with Minnesota this year instead of Tyler Conklin, mm. I just feel like he could have had like, you know, an 800 yard, 900 yard year or something and really had a breakout season. So I feel like he's either got to get out of Cleveland or Austin Hooper's got to get out of Cleveland, but one of them's got to get out of Cleveland and uh Nujoku could really surprise somebody and, you know, become all of a sudden become like, you know, a top 10, you know, tight end when this year he was probably like the 30th best tight end. Yeah. Honestly, I everyone who knows their stuff seems to like uh, David and Joku, and I don't think that's necessarily a coincidence. He's, I mean, everyone knows he's athletic, but he's just there's stats backing it up. I don't necessarily know what they are on the top off the top of my head, but 
he's he's a good player and he could totally translate very well to fantasy as well. So that I, I I'd be in if he leaves. I don't think that it will ever really happen in Cleveland. Um, or at least I wouldn't bet on it. But if he goes basically anywhere else, I at least have some hope like that he can rebound. Um, so I'd be interested in that for sure. And who's your, who's your guy here? Um. All right. I've got Kadarius Tony of the Giants. Ooh. I Interesting. I stayed on the Kadarius Tony boat way too long this season, but <laughs> I was there for the ride and he's so good. He's so good. It's not going to ha- happen with Daniel Jones. I don't think, but the giants definitely might get a new quarterback. We will see. And even if it is with Daniel Jones, they're doing a whole rebuild of that coaching staff. So I wouldn't be surprised either if they just have a whole new sentiment and like the Falcons did with Cordero Patterson, they just center the offense around this shifty speedster wide receiver. He could be a running back. I kind of think like I could see him really being next year's Cordero Patterson, of course, a lot more like highly drafted because he was a rookie. He impressed like it definitely is a little different, but I could see a lackluster offense being centered around this guy in a way that just really stresses the volume, really lets him excel in every way that he can. And yeah, I think that with that opportunity, Kadarius Tony would be able to capitalize because he is so good. He is so good. If he gets any opportunity that's like not this year where he just runs a three yard in route every single time, I think that he has a real chance to be special. And I think that might be the case next year. We'll have to see who the Giants hire if they get a different quarterback. But I think that they're going to be good about it. And I'm intrigued for sure. Yeah, I think it's an intriguing uh, pick by you. I mean, Tony showed us what he could do in that one game against Dallas when he had like 222 mm-hmm. receiving yards and just totally dominated the game. And it's unfortunate he just had a, a myriad of injuries. So yeah, he's got to find true. a way to stay healthy. You know, he's, he's a small guy, so he gets a lot of muscle pulls and things like that. But, uh, you know, he's the only explosive player on that giant offense because Barkley and Kenny Galladay aren't doing much. And uh, you, you would hope that the, whoever runs the show for the Giants and runs the offense, maybe they could use Tony like San Francisco uses Debo Samuel, mm-hmm. where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, they get the ball into his hands as a running back, as a wide receiver, throw him a screen pass, you know, like, you know, do reverses and uh, and just realize that Tony can be such a special player and just let him touch the ball one way or another 10 times a game. And he'll probably uh, break a couple big plays every week if he gets, yep. you know, that much time touching the ball. That's the answer. I, I think they just really need to invest more in him in terms of giving him more work, giving him more uh, room to excel. I re- I just think it could happen. I think he's talented enough that that's just very logical and very possible. Um, he's just so good. There's really no other way of putting it for him. I, I'm a huge Kadarius Tony fan. 
honestly just watch highlights and you'll get it too like he's it's insane there's no one quite like him in the nfl right now like maybe dalvin cook is the closest thing but He's a running back and he's like the third best running back. Like comparing Kadarius Tony to Dalvin Cook, that says everything you need to know. And that's even a question because I think Kadarius Tony might be more like elusive and agile, maybe less fast, but I don't know. He's he's special and I really hope the Giants do something with him. Yeah, it's 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 high praise. I, I I'm sure a lot of people will be like, "Whoa, I need to see a little more out of Tony before I <laughs> yeah. I put him in that upper echelon." And the guy does have to stay healthy, but he's in a good position yeah. with the Giants. There's there's nobody else really there to build the offense around. We know what Barkley is. Kenny Galladay, I I don't know. He he could have been on your on your list of of wide receivers whose careers are almost over because he's <sighs> done nothing the last two years. Don't say that. So Tony. Oh. Tony is uh, somebody who uh, I really think if uh, if you get the right coaching staff there and they know what to do with him, he could uh, at worst he could have like a Darnell Mooney type year where he breaks mm-hmm. out and has a you know a thousand yards or something like that. And if uh, you know at best you know he could really be a game changer, you know like uh, you know like a Dalvin Cook or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to be Dalvin Cook, even if they do utilize him better, just because. Dalvin, he's kind of plays like Dalvin Cook, but he's just not as good. He doesn't have the vision. He's just he's just not Dalvin Cook. It's pretty simple. But I think that he can totally do things that just are very unexpected, um, especially if they kind of center their offense around him, which Saquon Barkley might be back. But if he's not, I think it I think it would be wise to focus more on Tony. All right, that wraps it up, though, for our game of who is next year's blink. Um, Before we head out, though, Craig, why don't you tell the people where they can find you on Twitter and any other things you are working on right now? Uh, thanks, Jordan. Uh, it was a pleasure to be on. And uh, people can uh, follow me on Twitter uh, at Craig Ronzanoni. And uh, I think tomorrow uh, my newest Roto Baller uh, piece is going to be the biggest busts at tight end in fantasy football for 2021. And then uh, next week, uh, going to do the biggest breakouts at tight end for 2021. So uh, keep your eye out for those uh, those columns. I'll post them on Twitter as well. And uh, yeah, I'll be writing uh, football for uh, Roto Baller throughout the offseason, whether it's just talking about what's going to happen in 2022 or analyzing. Uh, what teams do uh, once free agency uh, you know picks up and they make some signings so uh, keep a lookout for me and uh, good luck to everybody's fantasy hockey and basketball teams for sure thank you so much for joining it was fun playing this little recap game with you Um, yeah so thank you very much for doing that Um, as always you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at fov underscore sports I'll talk to you next time But until then, Eisen.